Chapter Twenty of the Yellow House by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I am the victim. I rose to my feet and stood apart from her. For a moment, it was like the end of the world, like the end of all sensation. I was trembling in every limb. I believe that I gasped for breath. She sat and looked at me. When I spoke, my voice seemed to come from a long distance. I did not recognize it. My sense of my own identity seemed confused. I am the victim, then. The unhappy victim of your miserable theories, I cried. And you are, oh, my God, you are the weak spot in a faith of which I was once an ardent disciple, she said quietly. You made all the difference. When you came, I knew that I had sinned. All my arguments seemed suddenly weak and impotent when I strove to bring them to bear upon the face of your existence. You should have married him at once, I cried. It was too late, she answered. He had separated himself from me forever by entering a profession which I despised. He had entered the church. A horrible thought flashed into my mind. The other man, I whispered with burning cheeks, for she was my mother. She pointed out of the window, pointed along that narrow, hateful path which threaded the plantation. He is dead, she faltered. He died. There. By this time my sense of horror was almost numbed. I could speak almost calmly. I felt as though I was standing on the world's edge. Nothing more mattered. The end had come. My father killed him, I said, almost calmly. She looked away from me and fixed her eyes upon a particular spot in the carpet. Ask no questions, child, she said sadly. You know enough now. There were some things which it were wiser for you not to know. It is true, I cried bitterly. I have learned enough for one afternoon. I have learned enough to make me miserable forever. The woman covered her face with her hands. It were as though a spasm of inward pain had distorted her features. She was suffering terribly. Yet at that time I had no thoughts of any pity. I was merciless. You have learned what has given you pain to hear and what has given me much pain to confess, she said slowly. Confess, she repeated slowly, and with unutterable bitterness. That is a hateful word. I never foresaw the time when I should have to use it. To my own daughter, when one is young, one is proud. You were short-sighted, I said brutally. Again she bowed her head and suffered. But what did I care? I was no heroine, and I never laid any claim to gentleness of disposition or great unselfishness. I was simply an ordinary human being, confronted with a great humiliation. My heart was closed to hers. The wrong to myself seemed to loom above everything else. The interruption that was at hand was perhaps merciful. I might have said things which afterwards I should have blushed to have remembered. But at that moment there came a sound of voices in the hall. Bruce Deville was there and Miss Bernstein. 
we both rose up her coming was a surprise to us she entered by his side in some embarrassment mr deville proceeded to explain her presence i met miss berndenstein here and persuaded her to come in with me he said in a brusque matter-of-fact tone i took the liberty of assuring her that you would be glad to see her you did quite right adelaide fortress said calmly i am very glad to see her she greeted the girl kindly but in a subdued manner as for me i shook hands with her coldly and under protest i was very much surprised that she should have come here even at the instigation of bruce deville i hope we are not too late for tea he remarked glancing around the room adelaide fortress rang the bell i smiled faintly at a certain irony in the thought called up by his question i had shaken hands with the girl unwillingly we were to be enemies i was sure of that and i preferred open warfare tea was brought in and a little general conversation was started in which i took no part presently he came over to my side the other two were talking the girl was relating some of her south american experiences to adeline fortress who was leaning back amongst the shadows what made you bring her here i asked softly he shrugged his shoulders why not it is better to be on friendly terms with her we know then what she is going to do so you appear to think i remarked with some emphasis you seem to be progressing wonderfully i congratulate you he laughed in my face oh she is not at all uninteresting he declared if you had seen as much of her as i have the last few days you would find her enchanting i looked at her contemptibly her little person was almost lost in a huge seal-skin coat and her ungloved hands were blazing with diamonds as she talked her white teeth she had beautiful teeth gleamed and her black eyes flashed in their sallow setting she was an odd-looking creature every now and then she darted swift anxious glances toward us once she paused and made a strenuous effort to overhear what we were saying she need not have troubled herself i barely heard what bruce deville was saying to me my answers to him were purely mechanical i was scarcely conscious whether it was indeed i who was sitting there within a few yards of that pale-faced composed woman from whose lips only a few minutes ago i had heard that story which seemed to me yet like a dark shadowy nightmare the echoes of her passionate words seemed still lingering around the dimly lit room once or twice i raised my hand to my temples my head was reeling at last i could bear it no longer the irony of small talk was too bitter a sense of suffocation came over me i rose to my feet and made my excuses scarcely a word passed between the woman whom i had learned to know as adeline fortress and myself i touched her fingers and they were as cold as ice then with a single look at her dark eyes i left the room bruce deville followed me out the girl too had sprung up and was making her hastily adieu before she could leave the room however bruce deville had reached my side i am coming home with you miss Folletto, 
he said in my ear. I did not answer him. We were halfway down the path when Miss Bernstein's shrill voice reached us. Mr. DeVille! He paused involuntarily. I stopped, too. You will take me home, Mr. DeVille, won't you? She said. I couldn't possibly find the way by myself, and besides, I should be terrified to death. It is so dark. I should not have dreamed of staying so late if I had been alone. He muttered something profane under his breath. I started to walk on. "'Won't you be here when I come back?' he inquired brusquely. I was only going a few steps with Miss Folletto. "'I am quite ready to start now,' she answered, "'and I have said good-bye to Mrs. Fortress. I really don't see how I can stay any longer, and I dare not go a step alone. It is almost pitch dark. Shall I walk home with Miss Folletto and you first? I was almost out of hearing when she had finished, for at that commencement of her speech I had quickened my pace. When I clambered up the bank to reach the footpath I looked behind. They were walking along the road together, an oddly assorted couple. His shoulders were up, a bad sign, and he was taking long strides to keep up with which she had almost to run, holding her skirts in both hands and picking her way through the mud. Behind in the doorway of the yellow house I saw a woman, pale and motionless, watching me with wistful, sorrowing eyes. But I turned my head and hurried away. End of chapter 20